Let's keep calm and mother on. Mothering is way too important to do alone and way too serious to be serious all the time. My name is Christy Thomas, and I am here shoulder to shoulder with you, mothering and enjoying life together. This is the podcast where you can focus on being mindful and taking a deep breath with me and learning new things so you can pause and savor the amazing life you already have. We are kicking off March with a series that I'm calling March Madness. We're going to talk about technology, about kids that are not doing well in school, teenagers, marriage, maybe some picky eaters or sleep. Don't know yet. But we're going to touch all the things that just make moms feel overwhelmed and mad. And the first thing we're talking about is technology. I found a really great human online when I was injured, and I don't want to spoil it for you, so we're going to jump right into the interview, but Susan is amazing because she actually uses technology and is trying to set better limits. There's a lot of technology experts out there about digital wellness, but very few are from the perspective of a mom. So let's jump in. I am so excited today to welcome Susan Erico. She is a screen-based coach and talks a lot about digital wellness. In fact, I found her on Instagram when I was on the couch with an injury in December and I stumbled upon her and then I did her 21-day reset for the first 21 days of 2022 and I enjoyed it so much, I wanted to make sure to bring her on so you could listen and talk about digital wellness with me. So welcome, Susan. Hi, Christy. Thank you so much for having me on. It's such a pleasure. So Susan, let's start with just some basics about who you are. So you're a mom and how old are your kids? I am a mom. I have four kids who are currently 16, 14, 12, and 10. So kind of right in the thick of the tween teen world. Yes. Just off the top of your head, how many screens do you have in your house? Oh, I have a lot of screens. Um, I just set up up a new router called the Griffin, which we can talk about later if you want, which is so helpful. And you actually log and register each screen. Oh, wow. Which is, again, has been a dangerous task. But I would say we probably had, including my kids' school Chromebooks, we probably have like maybe 12 to 14. And if you include phones. Right. Yeah, it's so hard in this moment with kids these ages. You can buy all the wooden toys early in their childhood and then screens are just going to stumble and explode into your life personally and in their lives. Like you can't avoid it. This is the world we live in. And that's, you know, so much we are, you know, that's so much of, of my message is, look, screens are here to stay. The point is not to you know, you have guilt and shame or to try to go back to another time or put your head under a rock. The point is to say, how can we be mindful of this and live well with them ourselves and with our families? Right. And that's what you've coined as digital wellness, right? Like we have our body wellness and our mental health, but you have digital wellness. Can you tell me about that? Sure. That's, I mean, it's sort of an industry term increasingly that people use to describe um, just the idea, like I said, of living well with our screens. So for me, like I really look at the term human flourishing, which is another, you know, well-used term that's not my own, but what does it look like for us to flourish in the big picture? What does it look like for us to look at the overall life that we want to live 
and then have our practices line up with the life that we want to have, not reactively fall into patterns and habits that create, um, you know, trends and outcomes that actually aren't, we don't flourish with that, that make us unhappy and make our children unhappy, et cetera. There is so much. I remember getting my first iPhone and I didn't realize the domino that it was going to create. Like I got it in 2012, I think, and or 2000, oh no, 2011. I got it for one of my husband's deployments because I yeah. wanted to be able to get his email when it showed up instead of waiting for months and months and months because um, yeah. he's on a submarine. So you don't always get email consistently. So when it showed up, I wanted to get it. So that was why I wanted an iPhone. Absolutely. Um, well, my, you know, it's interesting. My husband's in law enforcement and also works for the Navy. And so I have a lot, I, I definitely have a lot of experience with this whole notion of like, this is wise for me to be available and connected mm-hmm. and I be around when the call comes in and I need to know everything I can know about this situation. So, and I, for, I the funny thing I would say about what you said is I first got mine in 20, um, 11. And I remember distinctly thinking, why do you need a camera on your phone? What a dumb <laughs> thing. And I actually mocked it. And now you think like you could never not have your camera on your phone. Like it just has, like you said, it uh, it's a domino. It there are so many things. And my camera on my phone is so much better than any camera I've ever owned before because I don't own a DSLR. So <laughs> it's totally the best of my best technology. Absolutely. So once you got your phone, that's probably where digital wellness started to kick in for you, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I've always had this this um, back of my mind interest in how we are living as humans. I've always been an, an efficiency junkie, so I absolutely want to get as much done in the day as I can. Um, just that productivity drive, and so I've loved, you know, once cell phone. Even I remember my first regular phone brick phone and then i you know and then cell phones it's like oh look at all these things i can do look at the multitasking <laughs> look at how efficient i can be and it's it's such a double-edged sword so i think i've always been aware of the double-edgedness of that sword and then increasingly in the last couple of years um being a sort of a question asker and deep thinker i've just mm-hmm. really wanted to explore that well for myself and for my children and that has kind of burgeoned into, you know, the work that I do in, in digital wellness more broadly. And I think it's a trap that mothers in particular are really easy to fall into with that efficiency trap that so fitting so much in, you just don't have enough time to do all the things you think are important. It's so true. And I think the messaging of our culture adds to that, because even if you look at any magazines or, you know, real simple, or I don't care what it is, it's like, you know, how can we be as efficient as possible so that we can, you know, fit it all in and live as well as possible and fitting it in inevitably entails your phone. There's, that's just, you know, that's how you multitask is to have this tool that allows you to do it, but then you don't realize it becomes a trap. Absolutely. Because our phone isn't really built to help us rest and to take a like step back. Yeah, it's actually built for the opposite. I mean, a lot of the work that I have done around digital wellness is about rest. And there's just so many layers to the fact that phones um, detract from rest and kind of do the opposite work that rest does in your body. On the physical level, um, screens, you know, we know because we have kids, they they stimulate you. And so if you're looking at screens right before bed, that won't help your bedtime. Mm-hmm. We know that um, just from a very much um, a brain standpoint, if you have your phone with you, it just puts you automatically kind of like Pavlov's dog into a space of work. Cause you're like, you have it. So you need to check it. And, Oh, did I hear my day? Did I miss my 
going to call me. So just the presence of it creates an alertness. Yes. That, and it almost makes you like a robot. And then from a sort of soul and spiritual standpoint, it keeps you from solitude and thinking your own thoughts and hearing your own voice. And that causes you to be hyped up and non-resting and actually lose the capacity for effective rest. So it's kind of doing all of these things on different levels that makes us exhausted. It's so interesting that you say that the phone kind of turns us into a robot because I think that it does in a lot of ways, that machine mode of just work, 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 not able to turn it off, respond, respond, respond. So true. And I think some of the, I find some of the most interesting work that I do is in the idea of like humanness. Like what does it mean to be a human? Yeah. And how, how does interacting so frequently with our phones as we all do end up diminishing our humanness? Like we actually become less human. I mean, if you think about your phone, it, it's one sense, it's just sight and sound, but you can't, there's no, you know, if you're looking at a picture of the right. sunset, it's not like seeing it. If you're looking at a picture of a crackling fire, you don't smell it. You don't hear it. It's very much um, diminishing some of what it is to be human. And I think conversely, when we take proactive steps with our phones, we can actually return to the fullness of our humanity in a way that is so powerful and, and liberating. You know, I just, hearing you say that, I didn't realize, I don't think I've made the full connection before about the sensory deprivation that our phone leads us to have. Totally. The phone yeah. is flat. It's slick. There's no texture to it. Yes, um, it's extremely man-made. And that's what I think what's, I mean, all of our, so many of our things are man-made, but it's sort of the pinnacle. <laughs> it and is in this moment. That's where it doesn't look anything like a natural object. It's sleek. It's perfected. And it does. It has this sort of um, robotic, shiny, sleek quality, which in itself is not bad. But if you contrast that to the realities of the natural world and the imperfections of the natural world and the surfaces and textures, to say nothing of the five senses, mm -hmm. like, really can go into sort of an automate on. And if you think about your clicking and swiping and pushing buttons like you're on an assembly line, it, it makes you more robotic. It just does. So what does humanity look like to you? What does it mean to be human to you? Wow. I love that you're just going deep. So um, <laughs> me, I mean, so I, I'm, I'm a Christian. So my worldview comes into this, um, you know, not, you know, obviously there's an array of beliefs, but I mean, we are created beings. We do not create ourselves. We show up on this planet and we interact, you know, with our surroundings in ways. And that is, um, and so that is a big part of humanity is just being an embodied person, mm -hmm. body, mind, spirit in our space. And then I think humanity has to do with we have the cognitive capacity that other animals don't and, and sentient beings don't, which is, um, sorry, non-sentient beings, which is that we can actually think about our life yes, and we can, and we can plan and we can, you know, we can live in the future and the past and we can remember and learn from, and we can look ahead and plan for. And so we have this ability to um, think about fulfillment and flourishing over the span of our life and make decisions to lead to that, which, you know, that would involve discipline and mm -hmm. self-control and, thinking about what's pleasure versus happiness and how, how does one not lead to the other sometimes? Yeah. Um, and so to me, that's what I mean by being human is to say, you know, how can I live this created embodied life to the best of my ability so that when I come to the end of my life and look back on it, I can say that was a life well lived. Um, to me, that's like, that's the essence of like what it looks to be uh, human well. 
I didn't really say that well, but you know what I mean? No, that's great because I often talk about how we're, we need to practice being human in front of our kids on this show and how, and how practicing being human is owning up to mistakes and trying new things and getting things wrong and getting things right and celebrating all of that and really learning to slow down and enjoy the amazing life we already have. It was super hard for me. I really struggle with slowing down and always have. I think that's partly what's drawn me into digital wellness because I'm so much my own target audience like <laughs> yep. so hard for me to slow down. Um, but that's exactly the kind of thing we need to be considering. One of the uh, there's seven areas that I look at when I look and I look at digital wellness kind of at the soul level, like my hashtag is sell and soul. Right. So um, the, the way that I think about sell and soul is that, again, there's it could be an infinite number of ways to look at it. But I look at seven um, and I'll just say what they are. They're presence, attention, um, solitude, yeah. connection, rest contentment and vision and basically what i say is that our phone is interacting with us around these seven areas in ways that we are often unaware of Mm -hmm. and that as we can become aware of these different areas and how this what the phone wants to do versus who we want to be as a human um that has that that will benefit us if we can really um, hone in on those things so rest was one of the ones we already talked about Mm -hmm. and when you talk about playfulness to me, that has a lot to do with presence and attention, right? Mm-hmm. So I write a lot about presence because our phone is constantly asking us to um, give up in, you know, human presence, yeah. physical presence, and enter a digital space. And so it's kind of like, well, you have to choose your presence. What will you be present to and what will you avoid? And if you're present to your children playing with them, yep. you will actually choose not to be present to a text that are coming in or to people's social media posts or to notifications like we have this idea that we can do both, that we can multi-task, t- yep. multi It's a shiny thing that we're being sold all the time. Right. But the reality is we're finite and limited because we're human. And we actually cannot, multitasking is a lie. And so is multi-place. You pick one and you've got to live in it and, uh, and pick well. It sounds like digital wellness can really enhance the relationships in our life. Like just being that mindful awareness. Absolutely true. Um, I think, and that's, I think that's a huge part of what it means to mother well. Like, I think so often when we think about some of the easiest places to notice people using phones poorly mm-hmm. is when we look at, you know, moms at playgrounds at watching their phone instead of watching their kids or playing with their kids. Yep. Let's be honest, we've all been that mom. Oh, I yeah. Have. And there's a huge shame storm, right? Like people huge post about it and then people point fingers and, and we've and both I, been that mom at the playground. I fully admit it. I fully admit it. And I have a friend who says, it's like, whenever you have something to do on your phone, it's like really important and like merited and you have all the reasons why. But when you see somebody else on their phone, especially if their kids are around, you immediately are like, what kind of a mom is that? Like we all have the innate sense. Yeah. Um, but yes, I mean, I think you're right about the shame storm. And and I don't, I, I try hard to, um, do my work in such a way that I don't elicit shame. I want to elicit reflection and I want to elicit um, uh, inspiration mm-hmm. for the life we want to live, but not, you know, and sometimes we need a little bit of regret to get there, all of us, Yeah. but certainly we don't want to live in guilt and shame. But um, to your point, I think one of the biggest collateral damage of screens in general and phones in particular is 
is relationship quality. I mean, there's a, so many studies and so many profound books that are really heartbreaking to see the way the ways in which our phone use has damaged our relationships, not even just in the obvious ways, but in, in subtle ones as well. What sort of rules, what sort of guidelines does your family have in place to try to protect the relationships in your house? Well, the first thing we do is uh, when we introduce phones, which there's not one right way, and lots of people do it in lots of ways. And so there's I lots want- of reasons why a parent would introduce it at lots of different stages compared to someone else. Tons of reasons. So I'm just saying what, what we have found to be practical, it's much easier to, it's hard to take things away. Mm-hmm. So I try to go at it in an incremental way from the start, kind of a start as you mean to go on approach so that it reduces tension, you know, mm-hmm. by not having the way. So um, we do like a, a gab phone or, you know, in middle school years. So yep. we, in seventh grade, our kids get um, cell phones that don't have anything except talk and text. And then when they get to high school, they get a smartphone, but it doesn't have internet and it doesn't have social media. Okay. And then they get about halfway through high school, which I don't, no one's there yet on their phone. They can get, you know, probably internet and one social media, I'm guessing Mm -hmm. with, with screen limits. So that just naturally, if they have less that they can do on their phones, they use them more. And then, um, they, you know, I take them away at night and charge them somewhere else. I use screen time limits quite a lot for my children. I use screen time limits for myself. Um, Amen to that one. I feel like if I'm asking my kids to have those limits, I need to be in the arena with them. Absolutely. And and again, with work, I mean, I have to be honest and say this is, I mean, we live real life. I will sometimes go months without having screen time limits on because it's like, well, I'm, <laughs> I need to do things for my job and my work. And and then I'll just be like, well, I, this is not going well. And then I'll put them back on. And, you yep. know, and then... And, it's just a, it's a yeah, I think the set screen time limit that I consistently have is turning off the Wi-Fi at night because I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night and find myself scrolling social media or watching YouTube videos when I can't sleep. And I don't want any of my other kids to do that or find people yeah. like protect sleep. But the other screen time limits. Yeah, it's easy to say, oh, he's deployed. So I need to be able to get that phone call from an odd place. Who yeah. knows what in the morning? So. Yeah. So to add to your question about what other screen practices, we don't do, um, you know, any phones at meals. We try to not do phones in the car, even for the kids, um, unless it's a trip that's more than half an hour. So like, you know, if I have a teenager who wants to put on their headphones and listen to something, I'll say, well, the trip's not a half hour. So we're not going to do that. We can all listen to music together or you can look out the window. Um, That's one that we do. uh, I I think I mentioned to you that I just got the Griffin router, which is the total game changer in terms of being able to really reduce tension around telling kids to get off the internet by setting the time ahead of time. And then it just automatically goes off without me having to introduce. Yes. That, that is exactly um, how my bedtime works here. Mm-hmm. So, so that's been great. We tend to not do um, like TV or um, gaming during the school days. Like we usually reserve that for the weekend. Now, you know, with teenagers that can be fluid at some time. Sometimes we'll watch TV as a, as a group, like with the mm-hmm. old ones, I wouldn't go to bed, but in general, our TV and, and gaming times are reserved for the weekends. So those types of things um, have, have been helpful for us. Yeah. That sounds like a, it's, it's a framework, right? For your family to just bounce up against and to yes. say, is this working right now for these ages and stages, the kids, is there something we're missing? What do we want to prioritize, prioritize and remember 
from yeah. this short season. <laughs> Motherhood, yeah. birth to 18 is what, like 940 weeks or something, 940 Saturdays. Yeah. It's not very yeah. long when you look at it in terms of Saturdays or Tuesdays. Yes, absolutely. And I think another thing that I that I really wrestle with a lot and 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 just spend time kind of planning and praying into with my older kids, especially is, um, you know, we live in a world in which amusement and entertainment is what the world is about, mm -hmm. right? Like in a way that was not as much the case when when we were younger because it wasn't as readily available. So if you you know you had to amuse yourself much more often, boredom was more of a normal thing before we, everyone had their own devices. Absolutely. And now that everyone has their own devices, the, the constant temptation to amuse and, um, and distract ourselves is present for all of us. And mm -hmm. the amount of, that we can indulge in that temptation is unlimited. So one of the things I'm, I try to do with my kids is just help them understand, you know, amusement and diversion is nice and it's not bad, but it's not, we aren't designed to have that be the full focus of our life. And if you are wanting, if if we are living in such a way that every free moment is about amusement and diversion, we're actually not going to flourish as humans. Like that's not what creates a life of fulfillment ultimately. Yeah. So that sometimes means, you know, it's conversations about those things, but also like trying to cultivate hobbies and activities. You know, teens don't always want to do a lot of things. They want to just kind of sit home and watch Netflix, honestly. Yep. Or right. Games. Well, and that's where their peers are. Like that's they want to be able to have the conversations about the things that other people are talking about and they want to fit right. in. And we right. have that same fear of missing out too as grown-ups often. Of course. And with gaming, they actually are with their peers doing fun things when they're on screen. So it's, it's like <laughs> layers of complication, but kind of my bigger picture point is yeah. how can we live in such a way and, and parent and direct our families in such a way that we convey the super important unpopular truth that amusement and diversion are, are supposed to be a portion of life and not a huge portion like it mm -hmm. should be well balanced with other activities like um one digital wellness expert calls it um uh meaningful leisure yes right? so like that's a Cal Newport term, right? Yeah. I think exactly right. I read his book and I totally did a podcast episode all about meaningful leisure afterwards. And so what does it mean for us to not only do that with our children, but also to help our children or require really, in some cases, our children to cultivate those outlets, even if they don't want to, so that they build those muscles and have a space in their psyche so that hopefully by the time they leave, they're not so used to a life of amusement and diversion that they don't even have a, a space in their brain or, or the muscles built to go out and do, do other things. So I think that that's, that's an under discussed topic in digital wellness. in in my mind, I think, so I think we don't, um, I think that le meaningful leisure, right. Falls into the category of play. And then we downgrade it because we just want to be productivity machines. Totally. And I mean, I, you know, you probably have a lot of, um, great concepts about how play, like what is worthwhile play or, or how you would prioritize play, mm -hmm. right? So would you say that play that is kind of most fulfilling has certain dimensions to it that, you know, because you can play together on a screen as a parent and child, and that probably doesn't have the same quality as, you know, being out bouncing on the trampoline together. So I think that that play has to be seen as like a balanced diet, right? There are different types of play and we want to make sure we're hitting all the categories so that we're not 
lacking one nutrient for that sort of part of our soul. Interesting. Yeah, that's really well said. Yeah. Because for some kids connecting through their video game and watching mom fail at how to play a game kind of breaks the ice and lets them see things that a different side of us, but also lets us into their world and to understand why this might be so engaging. So I can have more empathy about why they're drawn to this part of digital life. Yes. Yeah, no. And I, and I think that there's a lot to be said for that. The few times that I have, you know, gamed with my son, he has enjoyed it for those reasons. And I think that there is that aspect of like wanting, you know, being known, like Mm -hmm. don't just judge what I'm doing, but be interested in it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's interesting. But I but I also think that I like what you're saying about having a balanced sense of play, um, you know, doing things together that provide mutual, you know, that keep it light and provide mutual pleasure, like, um, is you know, or pleasure for both parties mm-hmm. is really is so valuable. The last thing I want to make sure we talk about here is that there are different habits, like changing your phone screen would be an easy habit to take a, a step back from using mm-hmm. um too much phone and creating some more digital wellness. What is another easy step besides changing your phone screen, which I'll link to your blog post about it. Cause you've got a good, a good yeah. post about that one. Yeah. So I would say that the most useful things, the easiest entry, I actually have a PDF resource that's free. That's like the three fastest things to do to change your phone habits quickly. Um, and now of course I have like five or six in my mind. I have to remember the three that I put on that resource. So people should go out and check it out and and, and take a look. But um, I would say a few really easy entry ones are one, change your lock screen. Two, use screen limits Mm -hmm. um, if you don't already so that you get a, you know, you're not able to go past a preset amount. Three, consider making your phone grayscale if that, that some people find it so annoying that they can't tolerate it. But if you have a, if you're, find yourself in a real jag where you're really struggling with your phone use, the black and white makes a big difference. Um, another one that works really well is identify your, your kind of knee jerk. I, you know, for most people, it's either social media or news. Mm-hmm. One of those things is what they're going to, or maybe email, you know, efficiency. Yeah. So identify, um, but, but social media news, identify which of those two tends to be the thing that you constantly reactively go to in a slow moment and don't and um, commit to not doing it until noon. So if you wait until 12 o'clock, yeah. it's a reasonable amount of time and you kind of set your brain for other things and you turn down the dial on the reactivity, then but when you do go to that thing, you're much less likely to have it consume your psyche in the way that you would if you got on it first thing in the morning. Right. So if the- you're checking it before you brush your teeth. It's right. going to be what you think about consistently all day. It sets your habits for the day. I mean, I have this conversation with my children all the time about eating sugar in the morning because they'll want to wake up and have like, you know, Hershey kiss before breakfast. And then they'll, we'll get into, you know, well, syrup is, you know, what about a donut? <laughs> you have sugar first thing in the morning, you're setting your brain for sugar all day. Yeah. Like, so if you start it later, you just, at least you give the morning to sort of like, <laughs> human. <laughs> there is so much, right? Just all of that. Let's practice being human and just being a little bit more mindful about the amazing life that's before us. It's so lucky to be alive in this moment. It's so true. And by the way, being um, chocolate is a great part of being human. So don't mishear me. Like, Absolutely. <laughs> but it's, it's like the priority. Like I enjoy Instagram and I enjoy connecting with people like you. But also if I start it at five in the morning when I first wake up, my brain is flooded. 
Yes. I think that's so true. So yeah. So those would be some of the, um, the easy things to do. And I, and I also think that um, kind of back to kind of putting those two things together, demonstrating to our kids that we want to be people who are not consumed by our devices and that we are going to prioritize non-device oriented connections with them, conversations, meals, activities, play. Yeah. Um, I'm not great at this all the time and you probably aren't either. I no, mean, we are it's a practice, not a perfect. And I will try totally. And I will try to say to my kids, the reason I'm not answering your question is because I'm texting you about the carpool tonight. Like I will try <laughs> to carry that I'm not, because sometimes my kids will say like, well, you're always on your phone. And I'm like, yeah, there's, I have four children's schedules to call me and I work. Right. And, that is, you, yeah, that digital are, load of, of a mom that she carries. Like my husband, love him to pieces, but he doesn't carry that digital load of managing kids' schedules that when I'm looking at my phone, it might not be an escape right. all the time. And and in fact, you know, probably is, is it? It's probably more often the load of, of life and trying to keep, you know, juggle all the balls mm-hmm. that you juggle. And, I, and I'll say that to my kids. I, I'll say, look, you know, I'm not on, I'm not scrolling social media. Like I'm doing things that need to be done and that's life. Right. And so let's compare apples to apples. First of all, let's not fight about it, but let's <laughs> a conversation about the different things that we do digitally and how, you know, we can be responsible. Like I, I will often say to people, don't allow your screen time amount to freak you out because maybe it's valid things. Like I listen to audiobooks. I use WhatsApp to connect with dear friends yep. and unpack and hear about theirs. Like those, it might say two hours, three hours a day, and it might be great use of those three hours because self-care and use involves our phones yep. sometimes. So, um, and loving well does and expanding our minds does, but not all screen time is created the same. And so that's the thing that I think we want to teach our kids, you know, too. Absolutely. And I think that's a huge part of wellness in general, right? Like you, you can't judge wellness by the shiny cover of what, right. what you see. So thank you so much for coming on and talking about this. Where would you like people to look? I know you have the reset, the 21 day program that I did, but I think you have a new book coming out too, right around the time this podcast launches. I do. Right. So I do um, uh, my digital wellness work. I have kind of two, uh, two channels that the the resets a great opportunity for anybody who's looking for really practical, um, easy bite size uh, directed opportunity over 21 days, which they say, although scientifically it's not proven that it takes 21 days. (laughs) Um, It's a fun thing to cling to, isn't it though? It is a fun thing to cling to. And um, so that's a great thing for anyone. You can get it on my um, on my website as, as an ebook. Um, and at, at New Year, I tend to do it as an actual practice where you receive the email every day. Um, and that's for anyone. And then if you have a faith filter in the way that you and the, the concept of going deeper in terms of the soul side and, and sort of the seven you know buckets that I mentioned and, and kind of how our humanity and our, our faith world is mm-hmm. impacted by phones. That's what my, um, it's a 30-day devotional. It's called Your Faith and Your Phone. Uh, it's coming out February 23rd on Amazon as a you know, hard copy book yep. because it's helpful to be able to not use a phone when you're thinking about not overusing. I love phone. writing in books, so I'm glad it's going to be a hard copy. Yeah. And so, yeah, you can get on Amazon. And so those would be two of my main products. And then I do have a host of other like real quick, you know, I have a quiz and um, a number of other just resources that are kind of fun and useful. In lock screens. <laughs> yes, I have lock screens, free lock screens, susanbierico.com. Excellent. In your 30-day devotional, what's the age group for that? Is that something a mom does on her own or is it something she could do with her teenagers and like talk about it on the way to school? 
Interesting. Um, so the the audience for that is adults. Okay. Um, it's written in the kind of like language of that a, a parent would probably resonate with a lot more. Last year, I did actually do um, a, a Lenten journey called uh, Family Faith and Phone, which was designed specifically for teens to do with their parents. Gotcha. And, um, and I will probably reintroduce that at some point. But this one, I think it would be more for a mom to digest on her own and then kind of pass along her nuggets to her kids. Probably there might be a teen if there was a teen that was actually interested in it and wanted to have something <laughs> lay out for them, which there would, might be some. There I might. Think about your kids, but it, it's that's a great audience. Okay, excellent. Thank you so much. Now, every episode of Keep Calm and Mother On ends with a self-care idea and a family connection idea. And so yeah. how are you taking care of yourself right now? What's a self-care idea you can share? I love that question. So two things that really help me with self-care. Well, I'll say three. There's no right and they're quick. One is reading fiction. Um, I often don't advertise reading or listening to fiction because I'm busy and B, I'm a problem solver. So all the two books. And, I'm raising and, my hand with you. Yeah. Concept books. But um, fiction really does a great work on my soul and my it slows me down. It gives me perspective. actually helps me think better, I find reading or listening to fiction. So that would be one. Two would be running. I, I love to run, but I also just find that I process and pray and think. And actually, as you know, in digital wellness, it's about walking in my yep. um And I bring a phone with me. I just let my brain do its thing. So that would be another one. And then I like puzzles and recently puzzling, doing puzzles while I an audiobook because all of these have gone on puzzles. So I'm usually by myself. Yeah. And that's been a really nice kind of luxurious thing to feel like when I do them. That that sounds luxurious to me, puzzling in an <laughs> audiobook. That sounds fantastic. What sort of puzzles do you enjoy the most? Um, I haven't, I'm not like as much of a connoisseur. My mom has gotten really into them. She will often send them to me. There's these little ones. Oh, and I'll have to send it to you for the show notes. Really cool where they actually make, um, it'll be a like I just did one of London and it's a transportation puzzle. So the pieces, they're wooden, and the pieces are made. One will be a train, and one will be a Ferris wheel. Oh, wheeling. wow. And so they're, you know, they, they fit in right with the other puzzle pieces. So they're really clever and beautiful. Um, begins with a W, but I can't think of the name. Um, and then another one that my mom just gave me that I love is one that has all different words. It's a circle, and it's all vocab words. So it'll be like, <laughs> sanctimonious in all different fonts and sizes. And it'll be like... Um, you know, per, you know, persnickety and rumpus and like all these different. It's the SAT study puzzle. <laughs> I love words. You know, I'm a writer. So I it's just, and my kids will actually do that one with me too. Cause in the back of the inside, it has every word and what it means. Oh, fun. Working, yeah. So. That is fantastic. Okay. So how are you having fun as a family? So w- one way that we have fun on paper and sometimes it's fun is we snowboard together so i my husband and myself and our four kids um are snowboarders and so we live in connecticut so it's about an hour and a half two hours to the closest mountain and like three to four it would really good one but um so yeah we have all the gear and we'll throw our stuff in the car and drive up to the mountain and i say theoretically because you have four kids like uh-huh. it's the card it's a lot of gear so inevitably there's moments when I hope and I look at each other and we're like why are we doing this <laughs> then, um, yeah the, there are there are moments of sandpaper but overall it's fun right 
yeah, overall, it's mostly fun. And so that, and it will be a fun memory at the end. So that's one thing. Um, we travel quite a lot. So um, like doing road trips with my kids, going places, um, you know, that kind of thing, throwing everyone in the car to visit people or to do something. Obviously with COVID, that's harder, but yep. that's traditionally been. And then I actually really like baking. Like I bake, especially with my daughters, um, you know, we'll do like pretty cookies and kind of talk while we. That's so awesome. Those are- say um and some yeah I was gonna say puzzling used to be it but then they all went off it so (laughs) you know things kind of ebb and flow you just I stock up on certain things and we do it for a lot and then and then they change on me kids do that they just keep changing and we change yeah Mm -hmm. that's true Well, thank you so much for being here. I'm going to put all the show notes of where people in the show notes, you will find all the links of where to find Susan. But I think it's important to have this conversation of not saying that we can't have a phone (laughs) and that we can live life without a phone, like some digital experts claim. Um, But but a mom can't. (laughs) A mom can't. The number of emails I get from my kid's school is a lot. So if I didn't have my emails to be update on things, I'd miss things. Um, yeah, no, I think you're so right. The goal and the message is not stay off your phone or feel ashamed because of your phone use. The goal is flourish as a human and make sure that your phone is doing more for you. Like you're getting more out of your phone than it is getting out of you. Like you Boom. Are <laughs> and so living with that, I just wish I could, like, we are all happier people, freer people when we keep our devices in their place. And it takes work, but it's worth it. And that's sort of the message at the end of the day. Well, thank you so much. And I really enjoyed your 21 day reset. So I'm glad you had it out there. And I hope other people take you up on trying it out. Absolutely. Well, um, thank you so much for doing it and, and for having me on the podcast. It's really been a pleasure to speak to you and to get to engage with your audience in this way. Well, thank you. I hope that that makes you feel refreshed and like you took a big, deep breath and a sigh. Technology is not going away, but we can flourish as humans next to technology and have it in our life still. Okay, now here's my favorite part of the podcast where I say you are exactly the right mom for your kids. I am so happy to know you and I am so glad you're on earth with me in this moment. We are so close to having 100,000 listens of the show, which blows my mind. But if there are some of these phrases that I've said over and over again that you would like to see on a coffee mug or a shirt or a sticker, just reach out to me on Instagram because I'm brainstorming ways to celebrate this community, which I think includes having merch. Yay! I hope you have an amazing weekend and enjoy this amazing life you already have. Bye, everyone.